0: Hey, Timberline, we are in Old Town, Fort Collins. We're also in our final uh, week of the series, King of the Hill. We thought it'd be great to hear from some people out here on the streets as to how they would define true success. Let's find out. My definition of true success is just my family is true success to me. I mean, I have my wife and my daughter, and that's all I need. And that's successful enough for me. So. True success, I would say, is Your personal
1: preferences and if you meet your goals or not. I believe what the Apostle Paul said that
0: true success is faithfulness. I don't know, happiness and love and having family and friends around you and being pleased with where you are in your life. uh, My definition of true success would be um, to live life to its fullest and be happy. Not worry about what the world thinks of you. Finding out what your purpose is here. When you find that out, find ways to manage it and live that way.
1: True success is when you receive final approval and to be in the kingdom of God. Um, completing a goal
0: in a timely manner and uh, doing really what you want.
1: Being happy, having fun every day. Successful. I like that. <laughs> yeah, Yep.
2: I don't actually have an answer for it, I don't know what to
1: say. I think that true success is just about being genuinely happy in all parts of your life.
0: Feeling good in your own skin and uh, accepting the things you can't change and uh, not accepting the things you can, but you know, it depends on the person, depends on the situation. Everyone's coming from a different place. True success I think would be living a life that honors God. I think it's just uh, being happy actually.
2: Just being happy, doing what you like to do. Make music, make videos. That's what you like to do, success. Success would not be monetary, I can tell you that right now, because I don't think money is what makes us happy. My definition
1: would be to have healthy and happy children um, would be one thing, and uh, to live my life in a good, successful way would be to
2: be giving back to the community and to be uh, helping others in kindness and compassion. Quit the drinking oh, and being all I can be. True success is kind of, I think it's what you make of it, what you define true success is. Um, maybe just being one with yourself, the full trustworthiness of yourself.
1: Definition of true success? Selling one hot dog at a
2: time. <laughs> That's one. What is it that defines success in our culture? There are so many things to talk about as it relates to success and how you define that. Today we're going to talk a little bit about the final words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. And we're wrapping up this series today. And so I want you to kind of get ready for that. This video is set it up to say, What do you care about? Who are you really and deeply? the fruit of your life, the foundation your life is built on. So we're going to explore all that in a second. But before we do that, we have our youth pastors up here, Pastor Tim Heiss and Pastor Jason Veliquet, and they are just doing a great job, you guys, coming up here. Thanks for being here. We're changing some things here at Timberline in our youth ministry, and uh, these guys are going to tell you a little bit about it and why, and and maybe even uh, ask for you to help them on a couple things. I think that's good.
0: Thanks, Thanks, Pastor Derry. Um, Yeah, successful youth ministry could be summed up in just a, a quick story of a young gal that uh, started hanging out last summer through some events and activities. And uh, she she became part of our large group gathering. And then she, she hooked up with a small group. And her small group started to love on her. and We weren't really sure where she stood in her faith. And at a retreat this fall, she had a conversation with her small group leader. And she said, hey, can I say that prayer to uh, accept Jesus into my life? And the small group leader was like, yeah, let's do that. And so... Timberline Youth Ministry, that's success right there. It's based on relationships.
1: Yeah, these relationships really come into play over all the different things in both high school and middle school. We have weekly services every week where these things, just it, it just speaks uh, relationships. We have activities, events, week-long camps, retreats. Uh, service projects, mission trips, and the list just goes on. It makes um, you tired, kind of. It does make you th- It makes it's you tired a bit. talking about it. <laughs> um, but one thing we did just a few weeks ago was Turkey Bowl, and I know you all may have heard of that before, but Turkey Bowl is a great time for students to come to, to this room and have fun, play games, but not just to do that, but, and, but to bring food in. And we collected over 700 different food items, and we're actually able to feed over 24 families this Thanksgiving based on that service project. So thank you for your help, and students, great job.
0: Yeah, we're really proud of our students. They they really do care about our community. We just have to provide opportunities for them to, to show that. And so uh, that was one example of that. Um, some changes that Pastor Derry was mentioning. Our high school youth group's called Nexus, and it grades 9 through 12. And so I um, just want to talk about some things. And so just for a brief moment, if you could all just imagine with me that you were a high school boy or girl, and you were disinterested in church. And you didn't really want to go to church anymore. But one of your friends went to this church and this youth group and they invited you to this small group and you decided to come. And you went to this group and it was really small. There's like six to eight students, a couple of really kind of cool adults there, and they actually knew how to talk to you. And you were in this garage and you worked on road bikes because you love road biking. And then sometimes you worked on these bikes and you gave them away to people in the community. And sometimes you went for a bike on a bike ride. In the middle of that bike ride you stopped and your leader looked over at you and said, You know what? The, the church is, is kind of like this bike, you know? It's got a lot of different parts, but it's one thing. And, and what part are you? And you're this high school student, and you're like, Whoa, oh, I, I think I'm a pedal, you know? <laughs> I hold things together, I keep things going. And you get it. You get that you're part of the body of Christ. And then once a month, this small group comes back here to Timberline with a bunch of other interest based groups and celebrates what God has been doing in all these different groups. What if that's what youth ministry could look like? And we're going to try to do this next, next spring in 2010. And so we're really excited about attempting this. There's lots of reasons why. But basically we want to meet the youth culture where they're at. And disciple them and share the love of Christ with them. And so if you're interested, maybe there's a, an interest or a hobby that you have where you could turn that into a ministry with high school students. Come talk to us out in the table. We're really interested in, in speaking with you about that. And definitely be praying for us as we have these changes in high school youth ministry.
1: Yeah, and this fall in middle school, I had the opportunity of leading a sixth grade small group. It was a lot of fun, a lot of energy. Um, but it was great. And on Wednesday nights, we do these small groups where we experience life with students in middle school. And on Sunday mornings, we have the 1130 middle school service over here in the worship arts room where we're just experiencing life with middle school students, having fun, worshiping God, and, and just learning.
0: Yeah, so we have our, our high school um, Nexus and middle school Illuminate Ministries. And we've brought Tim on here in July, and we're really partnering together to lead both of these ministries. And you guys, I'm, I'm so excited about having Tim here And as we look towards the future and see what God has for Youth Ministries... Um, there's some exciting things on the horizon.
1: Yeah, and if you'd like to be involved with any of these exciting things, we'd love for you to be a part and partner with us in this. Uh, one way is just if you could pray for us, pray for our leaders, and pray for our students. And also, if you're interested in volunteering at all, either directly with students or indirectly, maybe behind the scenes, just administration things or other things, come see us. Talk to us in the mall, and we'd love to connect with you. So thank you.
2: Thanks. Hey, I, mean, I just want to pray over both of you, and I want you to join me because... I love these guys. I believe in you guys. And and what they're doing is it's going to be a challenge. When you go to a typical campus these days, you know, back when I was in high school, you had four or five major groups, you know. But there's probably a hundred plus different groups in the genres of, of styles of music and what people like to do, and you've got a big task. And we want to pray over you and with you and for you. And those of you that have high school kids, they have friends as well. Let's just pray right now that God will use us to do our part in this city to reach kids. Lord, thank you so much for Tim and for Jason, for their families, for who they are, just for their passion. The passion to serve you, first of all, and to love you and to be a role model for young people. God, we just pray over their minds, their hearts, their bodies. Give them strength. Do everything in them and through them that you want to do. And may success be defined in the ways that you want to define it in youth here at timberline church god give them favor in this community with young people with teenagers we just pray for teenagers in this room represented by parents lord who are slipping away and we just ask you to use some of these new ideas these interest group hobbies to reach some kids that otherwise are not going to be reached we do this in your name and for your glory amen Amen. let's say thanks to Tim and jason god bless you guys love you proud of you I really appreciate the effort. At Timberline, we're not afraid to try stuff. And, and one of the things that has helped us a lot is we learn by trying things. you ever tried something and it didn't work? But the fact that it didn't work showed you how to now make it work by trying something else. But you never would have been there had you not tried it. So, so we're trying things. And the, even if we learn the hard way, it's better than never trying anything. So I really appreciate it. Obviously, these are calculated risks and with a lot of thought. Uh, going into them, but back to our topic today. Take out your bulletin on the back page. Follow along. I've called this uh, message today fruit and foundations because we're talking about the fruit of your life. Jesus uses this analogy of fruit on a tree and he uses the analogy of a foundation for a house built on a rock or built on the sand. But I put another little line in there that says, will the real you please stand up? Because sometimes it gets confusing in our world who we really are. We often let this world identify us rather than letting our identity come out of who God is making us to be. And as I talk today, I want to remind you of something. These are the last few sentences that Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount. Now, typically, if you looked at a famous speech from history from one of our presidents or primary leaders or someone from around the world, there's a place in their speech where they say something like this, and finally then, and then they're about to summarize the most important moment. Or, in conclusion, and now, that's what Jesus is doing here. He's basically taking these last thoughts and He's saying, okay, get this right, because what I'm about to say summarizes a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about we call it the Sermon on the Mount. A coach with his, with his team, before they go on the field, That those last phrases, those leaders, those last moments, what is the impression they're trying to leave? That's what Jesus is doing. So if you're writing stuff down today, write this down, number one in your outline is this, our relationship with others. There are three main points, as you see in your outline, and the first one is, Jesus is going to talk about our relationship with others, especially as it relates to other leaders and people who we let speak into our life. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. By the fruit of their life. Now, when we read this and when Jesus says this, He's trying to get people to understand it's not about just what you say or claim. It's about the fruit that actually comes from your life, your actions, all, everything about you. And the followers of Christ, there are two things I want to pull out of this, and there's a lot I want to say about the future words of Jesus, so I'm going to move rather quickly through these couple of points. But write these down. Number one, we should not be, as followers of Christ, we should not be afraid of evaluation. We should not be afraid of evaluation. One of the things that Jesus says right away is, beware of false prophets. And then He goes on to say, examine your life and see what kind of fruit... You are producing. And I just had this question in my life just this week as I was looking at all this. I thought, Lord, who have I released to be an evaluator of my life? Who has the freedom to speak into my life, to say the things that maybe I don't want to hear, but I need to hear? And I can tell you honestly, I am thankful for good friends who are able to speak into my life. And I don't want to be afraid of that evaluation. I want to embrace it. As a follower of Christ, how many of you want to know if there are areas that you can do better in? You know, I I think sometimes we want to know, we just want it to be gentle. (laughs) And, And rightly so. So I'm not saying that you let every person evaluate you. That will destroy you. But let the right people evaluate you. Let some people speak into your life that can help bring changes, who may have true concerns about patterns in your life that you see. Jesus is saying, hey, pay attention to the fruit that's falling from the tree called your life. And then the second thing here is that we should not be overly naive. I I think it's really important for us to get this. So, I was reading a thing the other day that said, um, first of all, have you ever been scammed you know, anybody, you don't have to raise your hand, but uh, you know, you'll see on the news constantly, oh, another scam is out there. Don't open this email, blah, blah, blah. If someone asks you for personal stuff, don't give it. Uh, but we tend to want to trust people, especially when it seems legitimate. Jesus is saying, beware of false prophets. They look harmless, but they're wolves in sheep's clothing. I was back to what I was going to tell you, I was reading a, a thing that's that was a scam that targeted faith-based communities. And when it talked about why it was targeting just faith-based communities, it said because these people are more trusting than the average person. Because we build relationships on trust, and we want to give people the benefit of the doubt. How many of you know that is a God trait? You know, you, you, you lead with trust and you, you give people the benefit of the doubt. But the Bible also says, though we're innocent as doves, we are wise as serpents. Meaning, pay attention. Don't be so naive that you're going to get sucked in. Don't buy false teaching. Pay attention to your theology. Know what this book says. And, and, and discern when someone's trying to speak into your life. I want you to weigh my words today. I want you to weigh the teaching of Timberline. I want you to weigh the ministries. You have to be able to say, look, I'm not afraid to pay attention. I'm not going to just be naive about everyone that comes along. So Jesus is warning them about that. Others. Now, the second part is our relationship with God. Jesus is going to shift gears here a little bit and scare us to death. Okay, this is one of those verses. I had one last week that's kind of similar to this, only this one's even worse. Okay, here we go. So number two is our relationship with God. Verse 21. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. We prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty impressive list. Um, you're prophesying in His name, casting out demons, you're performing miracles in His name. Why would Jesus say this? Who is He talking to here? Remember that. He's talking to the religious leaders of his day, people who claimed to know the truth, but did not walk in it. And he's trying to make a statement that says, your relationship with God is more than just you claiming things in the name of Jesus. It's about the totality of your life and your level of obedience. Now, there's a little trap here for us that we have to pay attention to. It's this. And it's, it's the next line in your bulletin. I want you to write down this. It says, Doing is not the same as doing the will of My Father. The emphasis is not on doing. The emphasis should be on the will of My Father. When Jesus is talking, He says, Only those who actually do the will of My Father in heaven will enter. What we typically do is we kind of back that up and say that Jesus says only those who actually do stuff. <laughs> is there a difference between doing stuff and doing the will of the Father? <laughs> Go like this. You guys, there's a huge difference. Because, because I meet people who basically believe they're, they're living their life in such a way that it, they're acting like they believe the more they do, the closer to God they are. Your relationship with God is not based on what you do for God. Jesus did everything so that you can have relationship with God. Our doing comes out of a result of an authentic relationship with God. And that's why it's called the fruit. Because it naturally grows in our lives and falls off as fruit that other people can enjoy. I worry about people who who do so many things that they think because they're on this board and they volunteer at the school and they paint the fence and they sign up for this and it's more and more and more. And sometimes, church is the worst place of all. Because there's this guilt that can be put out there. Well, you need to be signing it, you need to be doing this, you need to be doing that. Hey, good deeds are measurable and they're important, but not to lead with. Your relationship with God is not about doing it is about who you are in Him through Jesus Christ. And everyone who knows that said, Amen? Amen. So rest in that. Know that. There's a couple concepts just in that reality. And the, the one I just called one. These are not in your notes, but I just want to say them. One is a false security. The false security is when people say, you know, my claims, what I say, and my good works, what I do, will get me to heaven. And if you talk to them immediately, they're very secure that they're going to be in heaven because they'll tell you everything that they have done and everything they've told people and who they're trying to recruit and who they preach at and who they've led to the Lord and blah, 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 blah. And Jesus could say to them, if they don't have an authentic, real relationship with Him, I don't know who you are. You know what's sad to me? It's sad to me that some of the greatest theology teachers in all of the world that know so much about God may not even know God. I don't get that. You look at some of the great universities and study centers where studying God has now just become an art. And He's just that, not a person. And I think that, that false security that I'll just do more. And then the other thing is a false insecurity, and that is that I need to earn more points. I need to earn more points, and so I better sign up. I better get there. I have to do better. I have to be better. You can't be better without Jesus. He is your righteousness in God. So rest in that. And then let the fruit of your life be measured by God differently than the way we measure it. Now, number three. Last point. I want to spend a little bit of time here. And this is our relationship with self. Jesus talks a little bit about that upward, vertical relationship and then the horizontal, how we treat others. And then he sort of focuses in on how are you doing with your own life? How are you building your life? Now look at this. This is interesting. Verse 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on a rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and floodwaters rise and winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and ignores it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, this is, that was his last statement, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. I'll talk about that in just a second. I want to talk about this house and how you're building this foundation. In your notes it says, when you build your life on a solid foundation... Number one, you are putting your faith into action. If you're going to build your life on a solid foundation, the rock, Jesus Christ, then you are putting your faith into action. Jesus says, those who listen to my teaching and follow it. You see how that's dovetailed together? They hear and they become People of fruit because they have heard they've made adjustments in their life in that relationship with God. I uh, I love the idea of some of the times uh, as my childhood in my childhood as a kid I I always loved Sunday school and well not always but most of the time but I, I really did like some of the songs and I still remember some of those songs. How many remember this song? The wise man built his house upon a rock. The wise man built his house upon a rock. Remember this? And then, and then it goes on to, The rains came down and the floods came up. Come on, sing it. The rains came down and the floods came up. Yep. You know this song. And then, and then you move on to the sand. If your house is built on the sand and you go like this. How many of you have never had the privilege of singing this song? Just wave your hand at me. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Because the very end, the the foolish man built his house on the sand. And the rains came down and the floods came up and the house on the sand went... That was the best part of the whole song. (laughs) We did that part over and over and over. Jesus wants us to see the power of the foundation in our lives. That it must be Him. It must be Him. And His purposes in our lives. The idea here is, is a couple of things. I know, just the knowing. If, if, I, if all I do is know God, and I know about the foundation, that's not going to help me out much. Um, I have to follow through. See, it's, it's like in, in, in our marriage, Bonnie and I's marriage. I know that I should love her. How many of you know, how many of you are married and you know you should love your spouse? You know you should. So is it enough for me to just say, hey Bonnie, you know what? The Bible says I have to love you. <laughs> so there you go. Hope you're secure in that. Because I know all about it. I know the lines. No, that's that's not it. My knowledge of loving her is not enough. It's my actions. It's the fruit of my love. It's who I become in our relationship. It's the effort and energy that I want to give to her because I love her. With God, it's easy to just show up and say, I love you. I know I'm supposed to. Yeah, you're number one. You're number one. But does the fruit of my life prove that to be true? So, when you build your life on a solid foundation, you're putting your faith into action. And then secondly, when you build your life on a solid foundation, the rains, floods, and wind will still come at you. This is a very important component for us to get and take home today, and this week, and this month, and next year. Because people who build their house on the solid rock, Christ Jesus, still have trouble and tribulation. They will still have trials. When you accept Jesus, it doesn't mean that all your worries are over. It might just mean you become a better target for the enemy. But when your life is built on a foundation, then you have faith and you have a depth of maturity that you might not notice the storm quite as much. Example. If the wind starts blowing and it starts raining and I walk into my tent that I have set up, how many of you know that regardless of how good that tent is, if it's really blowing, I'm going to know the wind is blowing. But when you walk into a solid house and you go down to a basement and you're down in there and it's concrete walls, you might not even know the wind is blowing. Why? Because it's solid. It's built solid. And I think that sometimes um, when I have my life built on that foundation, I have a maturity, you can have a maturity that you're not looking over your shoulder for the devil every single day to blame you, to blame for stuff. It's the example of someone who has a flat tire. And they say to me, yeah, how's your day? Well, Satan's trying to get me. I had a flat tire. I think that means he's trying to flatten me out. Go back into depression. Well, you talk to a person whose life has a solid foundation around it, and they'll just say, yeah, I had a flat, I hit a nail. They don't even equate it to anything spiritual, because they just had a flat tire. Maybe you just had a flat tire. But maturity will help you do that. It rains on the just and the unjust. Let's keep going. I have just a couple more things here. Number three, trials will not collapse the house if you're building on the right foundation. Just won't. I know a few times in my life when I don't think I had to start completely over, but I definitely had to repair the foundation of my life. I had to go back and scrape off the stuff I was trying to build and say, wait a minute, this is not working. So I need to really get the foundation right. Um, trials will not collapse this house if I'm building it right. The first response to trials for a mature believer follower will not be pointing the finger at God. It just won't. Because you're going to embrace God. You're going to journey with God through this trial. And, and people who just start out by pointing their finger at God and blaming God for everything, typically, they're not building on a solid foundation in their lives. They're just using God as a crutch. And when the crutch slips out, man, their whole world falls apart. Build your life in a way that when the rain comes and the wind comes, you will have something you can still stand on. Because God is partnering with you. I love this passage in James, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Listen to this. Just listen to this. Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. <laughs> is he crazy? For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Let's go get him. We're going to have a challenge today you know but it's a chance for us this is a tough trial we're in right now there's a season it's hard though I know but I know God's there let's let's grow let's do everything we can to make it happen that's why we offer a lot of classes here a lot of education a lot of small groups you have to choose how you're gonna build your life lastly you can live with confidence you can live with confidence did I skip number two? Okay, I just want to make sure. I have a a, a story that happens quite often, but I remember one specific time. In January, in the first part of February or late January, we have a group. It's called FCC and Fort Collins Church Network. And PPF is a part of that, Pastor's Prayer Fellowship. And the pastors of, of our city those that want to. We have about 40, between 40 and 50, who come fairly regularly to a a prayer time that we have for pastors in our community every month. And we started this about 18 years ago where we just take, on a Thursday morning, a couple hours to just pray for our city, pray for you, pray for God's plan, wisdom, discernment. And we take a prayer retreat every year. It's two nights, three days, up at St. Malo in Estes Park. How many of you have been up there? Or at least you've driven by it on your way up to Long's Peak. It's just a beautiful uh, retreat center. And we take this time to go up there, and I remember one time specifically, I was headed up there, and it was snowing, and it was cold, and the wind was blowing. And up there, I mean, you know how it is. It, it, it can blow here, but it can really blow up there. So I got out of my truck, and I got this little roller bag that's going sideways on me. You and know, I'm trying, to, I'm all hunkered down, trying to get up the steps. If you've ever been in St. Malo, you know, you go up these big steps, and then I got the elevator, went up, and there's this gorgeous big room with a huge fireplace that's probably six to eight feet square. It's huge. And it has all these, there's 21 leather recliners all around this big fireplace. And on this side, uh, facing east, I believe it is, there's this huge plate glass window. The whole wall is glass. And I walked in there, and all of a sudden, there's this roaring fire And a few pastors had already arrived and got a hug from them and encouragement. And I'm looking out at the snow and the blizzard. And it is blowing and howling. And I'm standing there taking off my coat. Suddenly I'm not having to worry. I'm not feeling unsafe. Why? Because I'm in a place. I'm in a place that's safe. Even though the storm is happening. You guys, the one thing that happens when you build your life on a solid foundation is the storm will still be there. But God has a way of putting your feet in a place where you can look at the storm. You can see the wind, you can hear it, but it's not going to change your destination. It's not going to wreck your family. It's not going to destroy you. You can overcome because your faith is anchored to Him and not yourself and not just someone else, but to God let me pray with you. Lord, some people in this room are going through that right now. It's a storm they're facing in their life. And we need you. And I ask you, God, to be so real to them in this moment. How many of you would just lift a hand to say, man, I need a safe place right now. I'm going through some stuff, but it's scary. And I, and I get that. But you need a, you need that safe place anchored in God. Just let me pray for you. Just hold your hand up, I you. Okay. Lord. I just ask you now to be the solid foundation we trust for my brothers and sisters right now. Let them see that though the storm is still there, the rains are still there. Yes, it's tough. It's challenging. But you are a God who makes all the difference. And we trust you on this day. We we testify to the fact that we trust you. You are our hope. Secondly, Lord, I just pray for people who need to rebuild their house. It's just built on stuff that won't last. Some of you just, you're scraping off the end of the house because it's built on image and all the other stuff that you've tried to build and God's saying today, no, I want you to anchor it to the Word of God, to the strength of truth. That's the foundation. God, we do that. We surrender it to you. We trust you. Lord. I just thank You that You're a God who cares when the storms of life hit us and You can change us. We love You. We offer to You the trials, the hardships, the relationships, all that's tough we give to You and we say we will stand on Your truth and upon Your Word. May we be Your kids and You are God. For Your glory we pray this and everyone said Amen. Amen. I love you guys. Proud of you. I'm thankful for you. I pray for you. We as a team pray for you. It's tough right now for many of you. I know that, but uh, be faithful to God. Ushers come would you? We're gonna receive our offering. This is our regular tithe and offering.
0: We have.